0: This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Carnage Cast. I'm Tyler, and with me today is Dave Chang, one of the officers for the Schenectady Wargamers Association. Dave, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for uh, this opportunity. Oh, we're happy to have you. So, Schenectady Wargamers Association, among its many other efforts, is uh, hosting Council of Five Nations, as it has every year for the past 35 right pretty much 35 straight there were a couple of bad years in there where
1: we actually did not have a council and that's because of you know internal club politics but that was a long time ago so that was you know we resolved that 15 20 years ago so we've we've been on a a good stretch council has a long history council's one of the oldest and longest running adventure gaming cons in the whole united states and we take a lot of pride in that if you go back to your very like the first few issues of dragon magazine you'll you'll find uh an advertisement for Council number one or number two or something like that so we we go way back
0: and you've always been in the Albany area
1: We have um the Albany connected Troy area we call that the capital district of upstate New York, so yeah, most people think of it as Albany, but the actual facility uh where we hold Council of Five Nations is about. 20, 30 minutes from downtown Albany, west in Schenectady.
0: Okay, and when is council this year? Uh, council's
1: coming up pretty soon. It is October 5, 6, and 7, which is just uh, three weekends away from the weekend that we're having this conversation now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, not much time, but uh, we'll still time to register, one hopes.
1: Uh, plenty of time to register. We sh- closed down pre-registrations the Wednesday before council. So if anyone is pre-registering, you have until October 3rd uh pre-registration has been open for about what a week or 10 days now and we've already got about 75 or 80 people pre-registered so we we we're on a we're, we're on a good trajectory upwards we've had five or six really strong years of council in a row and every year we do better on attendance and every year we we do do more events and um so this has been another good year for us the pre regs are, are coming in fast we actually for the first time in a long time had to ask people to run fewer games because with the table space that we have allocated just the square footage in the facility um, uh, we have so many table setups that we have to fill and we had so many game masters uh, volunteering to help us out this year that we actually had to go back to some people and say hey you're you're running three games how about just running two you're running two games how about just running this one so so we can fit in everybody so it's, it's a good problem to have.
0: I was going to say, as a convention runner, that's the kind of problem you hope for.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to give you a little advance uh, notice, we are almost certainly next year going to expand significantly. Uh, there's a big section of the Proctor's Theater and uh, Convention Center that we have not been renting, because that's like a, a higher price section of the facility. Right. And because council is showing good, steady growth, and it seems like there's a demand. Uh, we are very close to finalizing the contract with Proctors to grow into that space next year and really expand our square footage and our offerings and hopefully our attendance.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So what can a newcomer expect to find at a Council of Five Nations?
1: Council, we we're we're kind of an old school convention. We like to think of ourselves as offering a a nice balance between role play games and board games and miniatures and some other things sprinkled in there. Traditionally, we've not had a whole lot of collectible card games, uh not that we're opposed to that. It's just that that doesn't seem to be what our crowd is is looking for and with the space that we have, it would be hard to fit in tables for for that kind of thing. But you know when we grow next year, who knows what we'll do to fill up all that space? We're still trying to figure that out. We've got some basic plans. But really, just the the three mainstays, role play, board gaming and minis, ah uh, like a, a wide offering a whole weekend of gaming we we start friday during the day and go through saturday and sunday and we're always on columbus day weekend so if you're ever thinking about council just look at your calendar and look at what day is columbus day monday the holiday and we are the weekend preceding that holiday so for those people who have that day off that's like an extra day to uh rest and recuperate before you're going back to work
0: nice So historical minis are uh, an area of particular focus for Council. What can people be looking forward to this year?
1: Well, uh, once again, we have a very full offering of historical minis. We've got somewhere between 15 and 20 events. Uh, We like to put the historical minis and all our miniatures events on the ground floor uh, because that's, where we get the most pass-by traffic. That's the entrance to the convention center. That's where we have the registration desk. And since the minis events are the most visually appealing, we like to give them like the, the most visibility for for the public. Uh, we've got uh, multiple historical periods covered. We've got uh, some World War II, World War One, uh, some modern, some American War of Independence, a couple of Age of Sail games. Uh, so a very wide offering, a lot of popular stuff, so people who are into historical minis should hopefully find something they, they like. Um, I'll put in a little plug at this point for the information on the website. If you go to swa-gaming.org slash council, or if you just Google Council of Five Nations, it should come up in, in the top uh, result. Um, you'll see that on our website we go to a lot of effort to highlight the different event tracks. So if you Google Council of Five Nations and you see the link for the historical miniatures event track, we have a separate page to highlight historical minis. We have separate pages highlighting other special event tracks that we have to make it very easy for people to find things that they are interested in.
0: And that link will be in the, uh, the show notes as well for people who are listening on the Carnage site.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, all this information is also in the pre-registration uh, booklet. Yep.
0: Great. Is, uh, there's historical minis. Uh, do you have other minis tracks?
1: Uh, we have, we have uh, several other event tracks, yep. Uh, one of uh, the ones we're most proud of, are, uh, one of our showcase events, is Starfleet Battles um, every year. Uh, We put on one of the biggest and best uh, Starfleet Battles face-to-face tournaments in in the whole world. For several years now, we've been actually pulling in more people than the national championships that uh, happened at Origins. Um, So really, the Starfleet Battles community sees us as the premier event to attend. And not to say that it's just for uh, experienced people. Uh, We really like to, to promote Starfleet Battles, so everybody who attends Council... They'll have a coupon in their pre-registration packet, so if anybody wants to just try the game, uh, you don't have to pay to try it. Just come on up to the Starfleet room and show them your coupon and say, hey, I'm here for my free demo game, and uh, somebody will teach you Starfleet. Or if you're one of those people who played 10 or 20 years ago and like to shake off some rust uh, just to, to see what it's like, Come on in, play your coupon. If you really catch the bug and you want to play more in the tournament, then we'll, we'll charge you five bucks to get into the tournament. But um, we encourage all sorts of people to play Starfleet because that is one of our premier events. Uh, we've got other event tracks for um, kids' games. We've got uh, horror games, uh, science fiction games, board game geek top 35, train games. Uh, another one of our local favorites is Battleground uh, Fantasy Warfare and Historical Warfare. That's kind of like a miniatures game, but it's in two dimensions because you're playing on cards. They're they're pre-printed cards, but they're like stands of miniatures. And the, one of the benefits is you can carry a whole ar- army around in your pocket for only $30. So we, we like that at SWA a lot. We like to promote that every year. Uh, the last two event tracks I would put in a plug for is... Pathfinder role play game and RPGA D&D. For many years, we had a very strong RPGA following at Council, and that grew steadily over the years. And then something happened in the Capital District. I, I think it was related to coming out with D&D 4.0 and RPGA last year. Just kind of disappeared. And um, Pathfinder role play game, and I think this is happening in the in the hobby, you know, as uh, in the broader uh, environment as well. Uh, Pathfinder's really risen up to, to kind of fill that void. And so like, our Pathfinder offerings, not only at Council, but at our monthly gameathons, are really booming. And uh, we, we plan on packing in more Pathfinder tables than ever. And we've rediscovered some RPGA D&D players, and so we're having a smaller RPGA event track at Council as well. And, and we've been growing both of those at our monthly gameathons.
0: Right, and that, the, the Game-A-Thons are an, an, uh, another event that uh, the SWA offers.
1: Yep. Um, Council uh, is once a year. That's our big showcase event, our big three-day convention. It's every October, every Columbus Day weekend, so uh, it's, it's always easy for you to, to know when Council will be. Uh, the other 11 months of the year, we do a one-day Saturday game where we have two event slots. They're a little bit longer. They're five-hour slots. We don't cram in three, four-hour slots. We do uh, two five-hour slots. It's typically the second Saturday of the month, uh, but sometimes for scheduling reasons with the facility that we're at, um, we need to move that around. Uh, but usually the second Saturday of the month, and if all that information is available on our webpage, mm-hmm. that's swa-gaming.org. And if you you know you look on the front page, you'll see uh, a lot of news about our gameathons and, and what's coming up for council.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, You mentioned earlier a kids' track. How has tabletop gaming for kids been growing or changing, or or how does it stand at the moment?
1: Well, I I think that's doing well. Um, That's that's been well-received by the community, especially as the gaming population that got into gaming, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, are growing up and having kids. Uh, Their kids are now at the age where it's it's suitable for them to go with them to a convention and, and play some games. Uh, a lot of our games, uh, we, we have an age rating on all the games that we list. We ask the game master to kind of let us know what kind of people would be welcome at the table, what age groups. And our default is age 10 and above. So we're really trying to encourage game masters to, to have games that are suitable for everybody. That's, uh, we call that one E10. E is everyone 10 and above. Mm-hmm. Um but we also do have some games that are set aside and we kind of designate them particularly for kids. You know, we feel it's more appropriate for the younger kids to, to not have adults at the table, or if the, their parents want to say, hey, that's a particularly good event for my kid and I can go off and play something else while my kid's taking care of it here. You know, and there's, a, there's a delicate balance. We don't want it to be seen as daycare or a babysitting service. But if parents think their kids are mature enough to, to game at a table uh, without the parents hovering over them. Uh, that's cool. We encourage that, and we encourage you to bring your whole family to council.
0: Is that a, a recent element of council?
1: We've been uh, having the kids' event track for uh, several years now, at least three or four years, and uh, it's been well-received.
0: Yeah, it's that's something I've noticed at Carnegie as well. You sort of have to, to feel out where, the difference between I can leave my kid here and he's going to take care of himself versus I'm relying on someone else to monitor his behavior, not unlike a parent.
1: Exactly. And, and it's tricky. You know, we, it it is a hobby. It's not like we're, we're professionals at this, you know, you know, I I go to Camp Carnage every year and it's really just a labor of love for all of us. So there's a delicate balance. It's kind of a gray area. And, you know, a, a lot of it, just like with society at large a lot of it is you know parents judgment about what is your kid able to handle you know is is your kid mature enough to to go and game with other people without your supervision mm-hmm. and and really we 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 expect the the parents to take primary responsibility for knowing what environment is good for their kid and 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 some parents have different comfort levels than others you know some parents um even though their kids are, are fully mature, they, they want to kind of hang out and, and just kind of observe at the side of the table while their kid participates. And if, if that's their comfort level, that's okay with us. We won't even charge those parents. If if they're not actively gaming, if they're just there to supervise their kids, they can come in, and they don't need to pay anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and other parents, you know, they say, my, my kid can handle it, and, and they do fine. And so it takes all types.
0: Right is it something you you've noticed where the younger generation is bringing in family members who may not necessarily be game players?
1: A little bit. Um a little bit. I I think there's times when we've seen kids come in and their parents kind of hover around and they're watching and you know maybe like especially more at our our gameathons which are a little bit more intimate, you know, they're not as hectic, they're they're not as busy. Um you know, after a parent is there for one or two sessions, I'll, I might say, hey, look, you know, y- your, your kid's doing fine, doesn't look like he's a troublemaker or anything. You don't have to just kind of stand there and watch. Why don't, why don't you try one of these other games over here? And, you know, you can kind of glance over at the kid's table once in a while. And So, yeah, there is that cross-pollination opportunity, sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So Proctor's is not your conventional convention center from what I understand.
1: No, uh, there's an interesting story behind that. Um, Proctors is an old vaudeville theater that's been around for a very long time. And um, th- they've been doing well. Uh, it's, it's gone through some major restorations, so it's fully functional. There's shows there all the time. And um, Schenectady, if you look at the history of Schenectady, uh, Schenectady was really uh, a, a booming city back in the 60s and 70s with General Electric having major facilities in downtown Schenectady out in the suburbs of Schenectady. You know, like, uh, it's, a, it's a real hub of GE activity. And then in the 80s and 90s when GE was downsizing in Schenectady, uh, the city really kind of took a hit. And um, downtown Schenectady was kind of depopulated and it really went through a rough time. And then uh, right around the turn of the century, uh, there was the political will to do something about that. And, you know, the, the business cycle took over and rates were so low that developers started coming in and redeveloping downtown Schenectady. And Proctors, because they were such a focus of activity, uh, I think they got some grant money. And they bought up the uh, old department store that was next to them and they gutted the building and they renovated that and, and repurposed it as Proctor's um meeting space and administrative offices and they also have like this uh this convention area and um General Electric sponsored the G E theater. So Procter's really kind of like tripled in size and in offerings. It's not just a big vaudeville theater anymore, but they also have convention space and meeting space and art display space. And um, they opened that to the public for for rentals, and we saw that happening, and we saw council was growing, and we were one of the very first groups that was in the new Procter's convention space, what was that, like four years ago, I think. In fact, If you went back to council four years ago, I think it was four years ago, we were so new, like one of the very first, like one week before council, they were still sheetrocking and painting. And so the paint was totally fresh when we had our first council of proctors a few years back. And, and we've, you know, kept that relationship going and they appreciate that we come back every year and we like how they, they, show us good hospitality and give us good good rates because we're a non-profit organization and you know they're an arts organization they're not really in it just for the money so they give us a good deal on Proctor's which helps us keep our costs low at council you know we have not raised rates our, our entry fee for council in all the years we've been at Proctor's so because they help us keep the uh, the the rent low we pass that savings along to the people that attend
0: Wow, that's always a that's always a tough call for convention.
1: Yep, and you know a lot of conventions, you know, you're dealing with hotels, and hotels really are all about the money. You know, I I know, and I'm I'm not sure how much of this you've been through with the Carnage people. I I you know, congratulations on your move to Killington next year. You know, that's. You're you're outgrowing the Lake Mori facility, and I, I guess that's a good sign. You know, we're we're all doing well. Yeah, uh, it seems gaming is on an upswing. You know, we've got a really good, uh, solid momentum. But when you negotiate, and and we've we've gone around when we were looking for where we were going to go, and and we finally chose on Proctor's. You know, we spoke to all the hotels in the area that were large enough to accommodate us, and you know, it, it's tough. It's tough booking a convention when they know, hey, for all the space you're taking up, I could have four or five weddings that weekend and and make a lot more money, so why should I rent to you? Right. So sometimes it's tough finding a good space, and so we've really lucked out in having a good deal with Proctor's.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, how does that affect a lodging situation for a convention-goer?
1: We have some hotels that are really close to Proctor's. There's the Parker Inn, which is literally adjacent to Proctor's. You don't need to go outside to go, to go between your hotel room and Proctor's if you're booked at the Parker. There's the Hampton Inn, which is literally right up the block. I mean, you got to walk like maybe 150 yards outside. And then there's some other hotels, which are a very reasonable distance, like a half a mile away. It's an, it's an easy walk. You know, in October, the weather is usually pretty mild. so. Mm. That's not a problem if, if you want to take a little half mile stroll, stretch your legs before you sit down for, in a chair for 14 hours of gaming on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I, I guess some people, I would acknowledge some people, if you're not booked in the Parker Inn, you know, we, we lose a little bit on not being right in a hotel because a lot of people like to have their room right up the hallway. Yeah. Um, so that is a, a little bit of a downside, you know, but, you know, book at the Parker Inn or, um, you know, stretch your legs a bit and, and, and book at one of our other places. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's hurt us that much. We, we're getting about 25 or 30% of our attendees from outside the area, people who need a hotel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, roughly 70% of our attendees are, are local folks. Uh, and, and about thirty percent or so are
0: coming in from out of town okay and and one th- something I found with conventions is it 's easy to on Sunday afternoon realize that you 've been in the same building for seventy two hours and I was like, "What happened to the weekend that, yep. that chance to get outside and go for a walk is can really clear your head and make you feel a little better about how you 're spending your time. Well, how make me feel better about how i 'm spending my time.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's some things to, to stroll around and see downtown Schenectady. Um, one of the sections on our website is a link to uh, the downtown Schenectady Development Corporation or something like that. I don't know if that's the exact name. I'm kind of doing that off the top of my head. but um, So they've got a very nice uh, map. They're working to rejuvenate downtown Schenectady and highlight all that downtown Schenectady has to offer. And so they've got some really good resources on their website and we're going to get some materials printed from them and we're going to have those available on our freebie table. So if you do want to stretch your legs and get outside the building, you know, there's, there's plenty of restaurants, there's other things you can do downtown Schenectady and uh, we'll have resources at the con or on the website for people who want to kind of check that stuff out.
0: Great. If you're talking to someone who's just learned about Council of Five Nations for the first time, what, what do you want to say to them to make them interested to come out and, and try the show
1: well uh, i would tell them that there's a very warm friendly crowd at council and if they are into adventure gaming uh, a convention light council is a great place to go and try games that you haven't had the chance to see before uh... To, to sample new things you know if you've only been a role player maybe you want to try some board games maybe you want to try some miniatures and and vice versa it's, you know it's a good inexpensive weekend of fun if you want to give that a shot uh... if you don't want to commit the whole weekend if if you if you're intimidated by the idea of committing all three days to a convention We have very reasonable rates to just get in for Friday or just get in for Saturday or just get in for Sunday. And you can stay for as as long or as little as you want and and still get a little taste of that convention experience. And uh, if you like it, maybe you'll come back for more next year.
0: Mm -hmm. And what about the convention experience grabbed you to the point that you, you help put on council every year?
1: Well, I go way back with the club. You know, back when I was 10 years old is when I discovered gaming at the Studio Bridge and Games in Schenectady and, and the Schenectady War Gamers Association. So, you know, we we were putting on, what, Council 4 or 5 when I first got involved with gaming back in the, geez, the 70s, late 70s. That's crazy. I'm old. But... um yeah, you know we we had a strong club way back when, and I just got involved, and you know it's 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 a labor of love for all of us. You know, this is my big hobby, and you know when it comes to putting on games, you know I don't I don't think I'm the the best role play game master out there. Um, I don't have a whole lot of minis to to put on a table to put on events, but. Um, I guess one of my strengths is, is I'm an organizer and I'm a coordinator, and I I kind of help build the framework for other people to put on games and you know put on this big three-day convention every year and, and put on a, a one-day event every month and you know we're we're all here kind of united to support the, the the gaming hobby here in the capital district and beyond you know we we all see that as our mission you know to to help bring gamers together. Not just at our events, but even if if people are just interested in playing in their own living room and and don't want to venture out to a convention, we'll still help those people. Those people can use the resources on our website. We can help you find other people with similar gaming interests. If you're looking for players or if you're looking for a game, the club is here to support all that.
0: So to remind everybody, where and when is Council of Five Nations this year?
1: Okay, Council of Five Nations is in Schenectady, New York which is right next to Albany. Um, it is October 5, 6, and 7, which is just a few weeks away at this point. We're hot and heavy with our organizational efforts. Uh, pre-registrations are all already coming in, and you've got until October 3rd to get the lower pre-registration rate. After October 3rd, we shut down pre-reg, and if you want to attend, you've got to pay at the door, which is a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. So check out the listings online, pre-reg there, get your stuff in.
1: Yes. All the avail- all the information that you need to register is available online at our website, which is SWA, which stands for Schenectady War Gamers Association, swa-gaming.org slash council, or you can always Google Council of Five Nations, and we will be one of the top hits that you'll see there. And if you want to google schenectady wargamers association you will we'll be on the the top of that search as well all right and that's an easy way to find us online
0: excellent dave chang of uh, schenectady wargamers Schen- association thank you very much for coming on the show
1: hey i'm very happy to be here thanks for helping me uh, get the word out
0: You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC, all rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com.